0: Victory Midtown, listen, if you believe that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive, can you put your hands together right here in this place? Come on, not just out of a gratuitous nature, but because we believe that we are a part of a church that believes that the Bible is true. Come and say amen to that. Amen. Well, listen, I'm excited to be here. I don't know about you, but I already feel that God is moving in a very special way today. Listen, we've been talking about this whole notion of we are victory, and we're in week three of this series. But before I jump into that, I just want to just remind us, even as Alex just said, that we're on the last tail end of our fast. And when she said that, some of y'all started clapping. I don't know if y'all were clapping because y'all hungry or you're clapping because God is actually moving in your life in a great and tangible way. Either way, we are glad that you are joining with us as we know many of you are doing that. But this, pa- this upcoming weekend on, on Friday, we're looking forward to what God is going to do. What we felt and saw and experienced even today, I believe, is just a foretaste of how God wants to move on Friday. So we want to see you here at 7 p.m. Now, as we're in this series called We Are Victory, I want to be very clear about something. We're starting this year talking about that because what we're not doing is just trying to share information. What we're not doing is having a series that's, you know, a marketing campaign to tell you about the church. What we're doing is that we're saying that we are victory means that we also want to make sure that we have victory in our lives. This is not just a slogan. This is not just a mantra. What this is, it's an affirmation for us to be able to, in everything that's going on in our lives, say, I don't just go to Victory Church. I experience victory every day. And so what we venture to do in this moment is to show us a roadmap of how to experience victory in all that we do so that when you leave these four walls and the lights are not ideal and the music is not ideal, you still know you have victory. And so as we've said every week, even Pastor Johnson said this past week, we know that we are a church that believes in the power of God. But what I also want to be clear about is that this podium This platform, these four walls, this brick and mortar, this is not the church. Look at somebody next to you and say, you are the church. Come on, turn to the other person, your second choice, and say, you are the choice. You are the church. (laughs) And so what we need to know is that this church that we talk about, what we're saying is that we're not just coming in a building. We're coming in here together so that we can scatter and do everything that God has for us. The way I like to say it, specifically here at Victory Midtown, is something that God put as a passion point in Kendra and I's heart, is that we are an equipping and sending center. What does that mean? It's not enough to make this the main event. The main event is that after you've received from the Lord, now you know how to go out and actually do what we've talked about here on Sunday. Let me read this quote to you by John Wimber. He said it like this. He says, the church is not the building it's the people. It's not just the gathering. It's also the scattering. And so what we've said at Victory Church is that we're all moving out and doing things, and we want to make sure that we're pointing that in the right direction. We want to make sure that as we're going out and scattering, that we do it with clarity, that we do it with boldness, and that we do it with direction. Somebody say clarity, Clarity. boldness, boldness, and direction. And so in the first week, we talked about who we are as a church. And what we said is that we are a house of prayer. If we do nothing else, we want to make sure that we put everything through the filter of prayer. As a matter of fact, if you're someone who has not necessarily employed that as a belief in your life, I venture to say you're missing out on the best thing because God gives us clues when we go to him first in prayer. And then last week, Pastor Johnson gave us an incredible message as he talked about the what of what we do. He talked about the vision. If you look to our walls, we have here very plain to see that we're about building strong families. We're about transforming our community. We're about reconciling the cultures, and we're about impacting nations. And so that's a big deal. That's something that we want to do, but there is something even more important than what we do, and it's what I'm going to talk about today. It's how we do it. How many of you know you can know what to do, but if you do it in the wrong way, it can be ineffective? And so today, as we're walking through this, I want to read a scripture that's really at the foundation of everything we talk about and what this church, this local body, this local place here was built on when it comes to victory. Let's go to our Bibles or go to Version and go to Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. The Bible says this. It says, but you will receive what? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I love reading that scripture because it really speaks very loudly to me in many different ways. But in the way that I want to bring to bear today is that a lot of times when we hear this scripture or we read this scripture, we get stuck on that first line. You know, everybody wants the power, You know, if you came up in a certain type of church, you know, the the preacher, when he got to that part of the scripture, he would hold his ear and kick his leg back and say, power. (laughs) We want the power, but that's not really what I'm focusing on right now. I want to focus on the be clause Because because he says you will receive power to be my witnesses. Why is that important? Because it's always important to know the why behind the what. Why is that important? Because if you do not know the why, what you'll do is operate in power without purpose. And power without purpose is simply a flex. What do I mean by that? Many of us have seen that person, that man, that woman. They're in the gym. They're lifting heavy. They're ego lifting. Their neck is all huge. They're doing all those things. But if you ask them to turn around and hand you the salt, they couldn't do it. Because they have power, but do they have the ability and the context to actually utilize that power in practical ways? And so what we're talking about today is how do we actually walk out this power that we're supposed to walk in? And what is the power for? I'm glad you asked. The power is supposed to be to be witnesses. Another word for witnesses is representatives. So we have power from the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to be representatives of who God called us to be. And when we say that we have power to be who he's called us to be, he's called us to be people who represent his love, who represent his grace, who represent, watch this, his patience. Can somebody use a little bit more patience? He's called us to be representatives of his order and his empowerment. So that the world that's around us, that's watching us and seeing us post on social, go to church on Sunday, do all these things, they actually can have a witness about what you say you believe. Now, I need to actually define this because I like to make sure that we're all starting on the same ground floor. I don't want to assume that anybody knows anything. And so when I'm talking about a witness, I want to give you the actual definition. It says this, a witness is one who has personal knowledge of something and serves as evidence or proof a witness one who has personal knowledge of something and serves as evidence of proof by a show of hands how many in here grew up or even currently you like shows that deal with lawyers or the courtroom yeah you know uh, one, my favorite show when it comes to lawyers is a show that's been discontinued called suits I love that show I wish they would bring it back for some of us we're a little bit more old-school we like Matlock Or we like law and order. I don't think they're ever going to stop law and order. (laughs) Always getting creative with a new type of law and order. They're going to have law and order church edition soon. I don't know. (laughs) But in those shows, what happens pretty much in almost every one of these shows, every one of these movies, you generally have a case that's trying to be proven. And on both sides, what happens is that they are setting things up to try to prove their point. And one of the key factors that is always there in every lawyer show and every movie is this major factor of what? A key Y'all a good class. <laughs> a key witness. And what happens is that it's the job of the lawyers on one side or the other to try to discredit the other side by actually saying that this witness is not credible. Follow me. When you think about this, what we see is that generally what they will do, they will go and check their social media feed. They will go and try to actually deal and talk with people who've had encounters with them. They will go and go way back in town at time and actually find those people that they, they tried to forget about and try to get an account of their character. And so what happens is that you have this prosecutor, an accuser that's trying to discredit this person by way of their character. Can I say it like this? We have an accuser. His name is Satan, Lucifer the devil, who is often try- times trying to discredit our witness. But the challenge is not that he's trying to discredit our witness. The challenge is that some of us make it real easy for him to discredit our witness. The challenge is, is that we make it very simple for him to point certain things out because we're not operating with character that aligns with what we say we believe. And so as we think about this and look at this, I wanna make sure that we understand that it's our cause to be good witnesses. I was having a conversation with uh, someone here at Victory Midtown, I won't even give the gender, y'all try to figure it out. And I was talking to them and I asked them this question. I said, there's this particular organization and I asked, I said, are you a part of that organization? And before I could even get the full name of the organization out, the person was like, absolutely not, emphatically, no. And I was like, man, like, you all right? Did did something happen? And I asked them, why are you so emphatic about that? Why are you so passionate to say no? They said, because I know several people who are in that organization. And I know what they really live like. I know that their lives does not reflect what they say they're about in this particular organization. And when he said that, it triggered me. I said, well, you just gave me something for the message on Sunday. Because my question is this. How many people do we encounter that are now saying an emphatic no to the God we say we serve because of our life and our character? How many people are giving God the stiff arm because you have not really lived up, not saying you have to be perfect, but you're not exemplifying the character of the God you say you serve? And so I want to make sure that we understand character simply means the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. It's how you express what you say you believe. It's how you live it out, walk it out. And so as we talk about character, this is in your notes in the Version app or on the screen. Character is the combined results of the values you exhibit. Not only that, the values you exhibit are the how. Somebody say How? They're the how behind what you do. And so so today, I simply want to share with us the how of the values that we want to express here at Victory Church. The values that this accuser is trying to come against, but we're going to say we're going to hold a standard and walk in. Let me tell you why this is so important. It's important because the how of how Jesus lived his life was very intentional. What do I mean? I'm saying this, that there was accounts that there were many people that would say they left Jesus at times leaving challenged. There were people that left Jesus even sometimes feeling hurt or offended. But watch this. They never left Jesus feeling unloved. Why? Because this, the way that he operated, the way that he approached them, even if he had to tell them hard things, the way that he walked with them showed them that the how was going to be through love. And so I want us to be able to have that same testimony. I want us to make sure that we're able to say that we are living out our lives in a way that support our witness. Can I make this practical? Let me, let me say it like this. There are probably a thousand places, a thousand restaurants that sell chicken. But if you were to go into a Chick-fil-A or the other people with a blindfold on your eyes, you would quickly know which one you were at. When you walk into one of them, you can walk in blindfolded and the first uh, ask of you, what you want? (laughs) Like you're doing them a favor. While the other one will say, how may I serve you? I don't know about you, but that's the one I want. My pleasure and thank you. What happens a lot of times is that when you are entering into an organization, a place, or in encounters with people, how you make someone feel reflects the values that you say you exhibit. Because values are felt in an organization. And so when we're think about, thinking about this, what I'm not saying, I want you to hear me very, very carefully, what I'm not saying is that Victory Church has the market corner on what church is supposed to be like, what a local assembly is supposed to be like. But what we are saying is we try very hard to major on what God majors on. We try very hard to be in line with what he says is important. And so I'm going to make sure today that I give you the values of victory, because this is going to be the who, the how, this is going to be how we love, how we express, and how we walk this thing out. Y'all ready for it? Are y'all ready for it? All right. I'm going to give you the five core values here at Victory. Now, they're equally important, and that's why we made them into an acrostic, And we made them into an acrostic because we want to make sure you're able to remember them. As a matter of fact, I have this wristband on right now that even has the values on it because I want to make sure that when I get a little tired, when I get a little beside myself, when I start to forget, I'm able to look down and say, Mo, are you operating in the values? What we've done is we've made this into an acrostic called check. Check. As a matter of fact, the title of this message, if you're not following by version go ahead and and click that. But we are saying the message is called Check Yourself. Back in the 90s, there was a little song that said check yourself before what? Wreck yourself. I knew y'all knew that one. (laughs) So as we look at this, here it is. We want to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And the first value of victory, it starts with a C. It is courageous. Somebody say courageous. courageous. We are here at Victory Church a courageous people. And I want to let you know something. Contrary to popular belief, the world is looking for courageous Christians. Not just courageous people. The world is actually looking for courageous Christians, people who will say, I know what's right, and I'm going to stand by what's right. Even when people are giving you all types of temptation to do other things, a lot of times what people are wanting is for you to resist so you can show them how to resist. And so when we talk about being courageous Christians, we need to actually ascribe to this scripture that God gives us through Joshua. In Joshua 1 verse 9, he says this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and what? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, one thing I love about God is that God does things. He actually gives us clues. And he's actually right here laying out a mandate to be courageous, but what he's not doing is just saying, hey, you're up to yourself on how you need to be courageous or why you need to be courageous. What he said is that be courageous, why? Because I will be with you. Be courageous, step out, stand in faith, because I will be with you. And what we need to know right now is that the Lord is with us wherever we go. And so the reason we actually ascribe to this is because we want to be courageous in the way we preach. We want to be courageous in the way we pray. If you just notice, we didn't just pray during that time like we just hope that God does something. We pray in a courageous manner saying we believe your word and we take hold of what you've already said. We pray in the way we lead. We pray, watch this, even in the way we love. Some of us might be saying, "How how do you operate in courageous love? You operate in courageous love that when someone does not look like they're worth being loved, you're saying, I don't care what you look like. I know what God told me to do. That when the rest of the world is throwing somebody away or discrediting them because they might fall or they might miss something, you're still saying, I'm going to give you courageous love because God gave me courageous love. And so as we navigate through this, you have to have courage in this world. And so we do what's right, not because it's just easy, but because God called us to do it. And so when God says go, we want to go. When he says say certain things, we want to say it. My wife is a perfect example. She's naturally introverted. When God puts her on a platform or when she's supposed to do something, she comes alive in those moments. But I've seen her time and time again operate in co- courage because we can be out at a restaurant and I can see when the Lord's messing with her because she walks in the prophetic. And God will kind of nudge her and say, I need to go talk to that person. She does it grudgingly at first. But when she goes and does it, she's like, I thank God that I was obedient. Because through my courage, 10 times out of 10, the person looks at her and says, thank you. Sometimes they share with her and say, nobody would have known that I was going through that but God. And so God is looking for us to be courageous because he wants to use us in this world. Amen? Amen. So here it is. As we even kind of talk about what's happened here at Victory, even with our founding pastors, Pastor Dennis and Pastor Colleen, back in 1990, we talked about this. It took them courage to plant a church with no money, with no people, saying it was going to be a multicultural church in a predominantly white area in 1990. They didn't stop there. It also took them courage to keep moving and keep moving and saying in 2016, there's going to be a need for a church in the city that embodies victory values. When nobody is doing church in the city because why? It's expensive, y'all. But what I love about our founding pastors is that they saw fit and they were courageous enough to have foresight to say there will be a people That someday will need what God has for them right there in the city. That the spirit of God is not relegated to OTP. That there's a people who are going to sit at 1429 Fairmont Avenue at an 11 o'clock service being awakened to everything that God has for them. And I believe that I'm sitting in a room with a whole bunch of people who also thank God for that. If you thank God for that, praise God right now. Listen, it was also courageous when Pastor Johnson actually released last year this God dream that the Lord gave him to say we're going to reach a million souls. And it was courageous when we said we're going to rally around him and we're going to walk this out. My question to you, this is not in your notes, but I need you to write this down. Are you comfortable existing? Or do you really want to live? Are you comfortable existing, going along to get along? Or do you really want to live? Because if you really want to live, it's going to take courage. If you really want to live, you have to know you're going to be fighting sometimes upstream. If you really want to live, you're going to have to stand in some courage that allows you to actually say, God, I don't care what the rest of the world is looking like. I'm going to trust you. Somebody say that with me. Say, Lord, Lord. I will trust you. Come on, say it with your chest. Say, "Lord, Lord, I will trust you. And so I'm thankful that I'm in a room full of people who say we're going to be courageous. And I believe even this year, God is calling this congregation to be courageous as we go and actually impact the world and come against human sex trafficking. We're going to be a church that's courageous and go out and change this neighborhood. We're going to be a church that goes out to the schools that might not be on the right end of the track and say, we're going to be about the change that we want to see. Do I have anybody that wants to be courageous with me as we navigate this? So godly courage is important, but it's followed by something that's very rare in our day. And it's the second value, it's humility. Humility. To be humble. And what I want to say is that this value is probably one of the most counterintuitive ones of our day in the society that we live in. Because if we really just pay attention, most of the world around us spends its time climbing up the ladder of influence. And when we walk in humility, what we're saying is that we're going to take time to climb down the ladder so that we can bring people up to the standard of Christ. Our 19-month-old Maximus, you know, he is full of personality, and I love when I have the opportunity. When he's talking back and forth with me, what I do intentionally is I stoop down to his level. I come down because I want to make sure that he's able to see me. I'm actually climbing down to where he sees so that I can really help him come up to the way that his future is supposed to walk out. And in those moments, what I do when I'm coming down to him, I don't count it robbery. I'm not sitting here saying my knees hurt. I'm not down here saying why do I have to come down? What I'm saying is that God has given me the opportunity that if I have something to give you, I can't just think about you coming up. I need to come down. My question for all of us is, how are we doing with that? Are we those who will humble ourselves and, and come down? Are we those who will say, I want to take time and be patient with you enough to actually walk in humility? I want to read this scripture that is really what I believe is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8, it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your own relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. It goes on to say, Rather, he made himself nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Let me give you a couple quick attributes of humility. Humility, number one, is simply selflessness. It is selflessness. And another definition I want to give you for that is something that God just gave Kendra and I as we would teach leadership all over the world, is that humility is not where you're having to be subservient. Let me be clear. Because sometimes people reject being humble because you're like, I don't want to walk around less than. It's not saying I'm less than. What it's saying is that I know that I need to submit myself to what God is saying so the fullness of who I am can come out. Write this down. I say that humility is strength under control. It's strength under control. Another way that I've been saying it in this season is that when I walk in humility, I realize that I got the juice. But I realize where the juice is coming from where I don't get caught up in myself thinking that because I'm successful in a particular area that I did it. What I'm saying is that, God, I'm not going to put myself in the back and actually say I'm not useful for God. I'm going to put myself in the back looking to how you want to call me forward so that I can walk in everything you have for me. Amen? Amen? And so Jesus, what he did is he embodied humility. Jesus, he was the one who would wash the disciples' feet, What we tend to say often is that Jesus, with all his power, he traded his title so that he could serve us. And the way I want to say it to you is that Jesus often would trade his title for a towel. He would trade his title and say, yes, I am Lord of lords, I'm king of kings, but I don't count it robbery to come to you, put myself down on your level, and say, I will wash your feet. And so we want to be a people who embody humility. We want to be a people who are able to trade off. Even when we know that we are those who do great things, we can still walk in humility. Amen? And so what's really practical about that is here at Victory, we try to hold titles with a very loose hand. Have you ever been a part of organizations, churches, where you think that, you know, this person's title just made them? You know, you've been with that friend that that you were on the same level until, until they got that title. And so Titles in church can kind of be a a double-edged sword. What's not a problem is that we have titles because you sometimes need to give honor where honor is due so people know kind of what to expect, what your function is. The problem is when that title turns into entitlement to where now because someone has a title, they now expect you to hold them in this particular level of esteem. And what we say here, even at Victory, because we are a church with multiple cultures, we were having this conversation with all of the pastors this past weekend, myself, Pastor Johnson, Pastor Chris, Pastor Emilio with Victor Evita, and Pastor Darius, we were talking about our experiences. And we were saying in the Latin culture, in the African American culture, you know, we were saying in the Asian church even, they're generally very high honor cultures, and while we were talking, we just saw Pastor Johnson with this puzzled look on his face. Because we were all talking about our experience and say, yeah, you know, honor is given. And people are sometimes, especially in some of the African culture, they're bowing down and all type of stuff. And Pastor Johnson said, I feel like the outlier right now. Now, for those who don't know, Pastor John- Johnson happens to be Caucasian. <laughs> and he said to us, he said, what I realized is only the white church that really doesn't operate in that honor type of culture. What we talked about and laughed is that most of us, especially if you come from a particular type of church, you didn't even know your pastor had a first name other than apostle until you grew up. You thought your pastor's first name was Bishop. And so what we're saying with this is that sometimes we go a little bit far with this because we need to make sure that there's a connection point and that we don't actually ostracize people by operating in this high esteem. And so when we think about this, we hold these titles so loosely. That's why a lot of times you'll hear me talk about Pastor Johnson, Pastor Jamal, Pastor Davis. I use that title, especially when we're in public, to make sure that we set the tone. But when we're talking one-on-one, we're playing golf, we're working out, I don't need you to call me pastor. As a matter of fact, I don't need anybody to call me pastor. It's just the fact that we want to make sure that we actually see people in the function that they're in. Amen? And so what I know is that even in this church, you know, there's a dichotomy. In the Caucasian or white church, you know, people will walk up to a pastor after the service and say, that was a nice talk, Bob. That was a nice talk. If you were to say that was a nice talk to a black pastor, they would be like, what are you talking about? This is the revelation from God. You are going to hell. (laughs) And so different strokes for different folks. But here's what we want to do. The challenge is not if someone has a title. The challenge becomes when we are entitled and offended when someone doesn't use that title. And so we want to make sure that here at Victory, we use titles, honestly, as an identifier of the chief servants. My wife and I, we might be the lead pastors here, but we want to hold ourselves as the chief servants, meaning there's nothing we will ask our team to do that we won't do. There's nothing we will ask a volunteer or a leader to do that we won't do. And so one of the ways that we actually celebrate this here at Victory is that about a few years ago in 2017 at our Hamilton Mill campus, we started to give out the volunteer or leader of the year award. And at that time, there was a woman who actually came up with this great idea. And what she said is that the leader of the year should actually embody humility by saying, I'm going to go last. And so they put a parking spot at Hamilton Mill, the furthest place away from the building, because what we're saying is that when you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. When you become a leader, you're actually saying, I want to make room for all the other people so that I can serve them and get them to the place that God wants to get them to. And so yesterday we had uh, our leader meeting yesterday, and we celebrated our 2022 leader slash volunteer of the year. And I want to put his picture on the screen real quick. It is Mr. Ron Smith. Can y'all celebrate, Mr. Ron Smith? <laughs> See, I know y'all are clapping, but y'all need to know, Ron embodies humility. Why does Ron embody humility? Because Ron is a boss in his natural job, y'all. I'm not talking about B O S S. I'm talking about B A W S E. He's a boss. But what he does is he does not count it robbery, even though he has this super high influential position in his everyday life. He comes and he serves here. He's here every Sunday at 6.15. He helped us create the parking plan. He's here making sure whatever we need, he's showing up. And so here at Victory, we gave him his parking spot, which is a volunteer of the year. Show that next one. You see that it's in a bucket, right? It's in a bucket because it's portable, y'all. It's portable. Let's show where the actual spot goes. See, that's Victory Church. This is where our volunteers park all the way on the other side in that lot that you see the, the blue line pointing to. It's all the way in the corner. Why? Because really, we're making sure that you are served. We're making sure that it's a signal that we're saying we are not here to be con- convenienced. We sometimes need to inconvenience ourselves so that other people can have what God has for them. Can y'all clap it up one more time for Ron? <clears throat> So here we go. Humility is selfless and it's always looking to serve. The next one is empowering. Empowering. Somebody say empowering. Empowering. We want to build an empowering culture here at Victory. And so the culture of the world oftentimes has this adage to get as much power as you can and hoard it and not give it to anybody else and hold it for yourself. And so what we're saying is that we don't have to actually hoard power. The more we give power away and authority away, the more blessed that people are. And so in God's kingdom, it's counterintuitive to a lot of the ways that we live in the world. And so a question that I ask myself, and I want you to write this question down, because some of us are business owners, business leaders, and you have even wondered, why do I have a lid on my business right now? I'm doing all the things. I'm following all the trends. Why am I not able to really see the success that I'm supposed to have? The question that I often ask myself is this. Am I lifting and releasing the people around me? Or am I hoarding and restricting the people around me? Am I lifting and releasing them? Or am I hoarding them and trying to control them for my purpose? See, the the model that we follow is Jesus' model. Jesus said, I want to empower you so that you can go. I want to make sure that I'm giving you what you need so that you can walk this thing out. My philosophy of leadership is that I try to give as much power away as I can. As a matter of fact, our team will tell you this when they ask me certain questions, they say, Pastor Mo, can I do this? Can I do this? And I say, You're empowered. Go do it. Now, what that also means is you're empowered. If it breaks, you got to fix it. But what I try to do is to say yes to as many things as I can because what I realized I don't have all the answers. That God created you with different nuances and niches that you're able to now know how you need to operate. And so Jesus' model says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And this is how we're going to even accomplish that 100,000, that 900,000, reach all these people. Because what we're saying is that it's not really up to us to do it all. You are now to gather to be equipped to now scatter and do it. Amen? Amen? My goal, hear this very carefully, my goal is to see each and every one of you. Walk in the fullness of what God has for you so that when you go out these four walls, it's evident that you're a witness to God. It's evident that you've been with the Lord. It's evident that you are actually receiving what he has and you're sharing it with the world. Listen to how Paul said it. In 2 Timothy 2, 2, he said, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Paul is saying, give it away. Say, give it away. He's saying, give it away, because when you give it away, you're now able to multiply that influence. Last thing I want to say about this. One of the greatest compliments that I've received as a pastor was about last year when a new couple that was new to Victory, they had been attending for about three months. They joined, and Kendra and I met with them. And and the husband, he said this. He said, you know, I, I want you to not take this the wrong way. He said, but it took me about two and a half months to figure out that you were the guy. He said, I thought you were just the guy with braids that was a hype man. They they wanted to be up there to be excited. And I looked at him, I said, thank you. I think. What what was he saying? What what he really was saying is that we don't have this culture here where, you know, we walk out and we put a, a train in front of me and say, the man of God has come in. We don't walk around here and I need special privileges and I need to have somebody holding all my stuff. I hold my own iPad when I walk in. I'm walking around doing what I need to do because I'm here to serve, not to be served. And so as we navigate through this, we want to make sure that we hold that spirit of empowerment because what we do is when we put people on this platform, we're saying, you're equipped. Just like God anointed me, he anointed you to also be someone who could be used by God. Amen? Amen the next victory value, say connected. Connected. Here's this. You cannot pass something along to someone that you're not connected to. You cannot pass something good over to someone who you're not connected to. Believe it or not, me being up here speaking is not the best part of what I get to do as a pastor. The best part of what I get to do as a pastor is to connect with you. I've met with many of you, had coffee with many of you, seen many of you at the gym, seen many of you at the golf course doing different things. It really makes me proud when I'm able to see you out and about and connect with you because we want to make sure that we're able to all come up together. What's been a challenge in this current day of church is what is called the celebrity pastor's age. And the reason why a lot of people are jaded with church is because they've been exposed or even been in churches to where, you know, it's like this secret door that comes up from under the stage and the pastor just shows up, poof. <laughs> and the only time you see them is Sunday to Sunday when it's time to preach. Because they walk through the secret back cave. They come through the secret trap door. Nobody can touch them. But what we're saying is that we want to make sure that we are connected. Watch this. What this celebrity pastor thing has done is that it has made it hard because now so many people have gotten used to being preached to, but they haven't gotten used to being pastored. There's a difference. There's a difference between being a pastor and being a speaker. There's a difference between being a pastor and being a shepherd. And so what we're doing is we're saying we want to follow the model of Jesus. In Mark 3, 14, it says this. Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. What do I mean by that? We have to be up close with the people. Can I come down? We have to be a people who are not just afraid of the people, who we can't get close enough to know what somebody's going through. Because when I'm close to you, now I can feel you. If I'm far away, you can fool me. But when I'm close to you, now I can feel when I say that thing, and you just kind of give a little twitch, and I can say, what's really going on? When we're close to each other, now I know when you go through the miscarriage, I can come to the hospital and visit you and say, it's going to be okay. When you're close to somebody, it's not just about you telling them what they should do. Now you're saying, I'm going to walk with you through this journey. This is why we stand at the door on Sundays. This is why we walk through the hall slowly. This is why, because Jesus, he took his time with people. How is it that Jesus could take his time with people, but preachers can't take their time with people? How is it, not even just putting it on preachers, how is it that Jesus would actually have his greatest commodity be people, and sometimes we think we're too good to be around certain types of people? And so that's why even as we talk about Small Group Sunday today, this is not just a push to get you in a program. This is a lifeline. Because God wants to save some people's lives in this service today, but the way he's going to serve and save those lives is through another person. You've been praying and praying and saying, God, I need a miracle. God is saying that miracle is wrapped up in your neighbor right now that you didn't talk to all service. And so I want us to grab this. I want us to understand that even the way we built this building, we were intentional because we said we don't want to just hide out. We built the building that when we come through, we have to walk through people. We get to walk through people so that we can greet you and feel you and say, hello, shepherds need to smell like sheep. Shepherds need to smell like sheep. How can I know what you're going through and minister to you if I don't know you? Now, granted, I might not know every person's name, but I'm taking snapshots. Y'all sit in the same seat every week. <laughs> what I'm saying, and it's not just on me. I say this at all the membership classes. The way that we're going to keep this church intimate, y'all see it's growing around here, right? The way we're going to keep this church intimate is that the same way that Kendra and I take credence to try to remember names, to try to connect with you, you have to do the same thing. And so I'm believing that God answered some people's prayers today, and today when you leave, you're going to sign up for a small group. Some of y'all are going to sign up to lead a small group because, again, it's not a church program. It is a lifeline. Amen? Amen? We're talking about being connected. Jesus was connected with people. And my question is, do we want to be isolated or do we want to be connected? My desire here at Victory Church, hear this, is that we make it hard for you to stay disconnected that we make it uncomfortable for you to get disconnected. Why? Because I believe the Lord gave me a clear word a couple years ago, that as I and Kendra have the, the mandate to shepherd this congregation, this is a place that we will not leave one man or one woman behind. We will do everything we can in our power. Now you have a responsibility too, but we will do what we can to make sure that we're connected. How many people are gonna join me in that, making sure that we're gonna stay connected? Can I get some witnesses in here? Can I get some people to participate? I want to do something real quick before we uh, wrap this up. I want you to, I want to make some people very, very uncomfortable. I need you to find one person right next to you that's not your wife, that's not your bae, that you didn't come, yeah, I saw you. That's not the person you came with, and I need you to take 60 seconds, and I need you to share this simple thing. Your name and one thing that you wish people knew about you. The clock starts now, look at them. One person, one person, one person, one person. <laughs> Some of y'all looking at me. Talk to the person. Talk to the person. 30 more seconds. 30 more seconds. Come on. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. See, some of y'all just needed someone to ask you a question. You were ready to talk. Listen, listen. Don't you feel different? Don't, don't you feel a little bit different from just kind of coming in and sitting and kind of keeping yourself in your proverbial bubble? Now you can no longer say you don't know anybody here. <laughs> we took that excuse out. We need to be connected. Here's the last value that I want to give us today. It's kindness. Kindness. I have this question as we get ready to close this up today. How many of you have ever met a mean Christian? Now, if they're sitting next to you, just look forward. Just look forward. forward. If they didn't talk to you, you know, you might have the answer right there. (laughs) Listen, I can hear people saying sometimes that we encounter. If I could judge who you say you serve by how you treat me, I don't want any part of that. Some of us have disqualified people from coming into the kingdom simply because we won't be kind. Say this with me. Say, "Kindness kindness is currency. Say it one more time. Say, kindness, kindness is, currency. is currency. Some would say that it doesn't cost you anything to be kind. I disagree. I believe it costs you your selfishness. I believe it costs you your self-absorption. I believe it costs you just a little consideration to be that person that when you see someone about 5.5 steps behind you, and you know you can hold the door for them. But you just let it slam. Now, some of y'all need to repent right now, because I know you did that this, this week. Or the elevator, you're trying to press door close, and you know, hold it, hold it. I see you back there. Listen, it doesn't take a whole lot. What, what is it? It's saying hello to the person on the elevator, even when you know that they don't want to talk to you. Because just like we just sparked life in you by asking you a question, sometimes people are operating the way they are because of past experiences, not knowing that the next experience could be their breakthrough. It doesn't take a whole lot for when you go to Publix to actually just say to the cashier, thank you for your service today. Knowing that they just got cussed out by the person, two people in front of you because they were bagging too slow. We have to be people who are kind. When you walk into the sanctuary every day, we intentionally did this. Over the door, it has this scripture, John 13, 35. It says this. It says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Why did we do that? Because we're going to speak the, the word and we're going to speak the truth. But we're going to do it in a way that we're not going to compromise on what the Bible says. But we want you to know that it's filtered from a place of love. And so we have to be a people that don't just see that as a scripture, but that we walk in it, because it's not about how you dress for church. It's not about, you know, the spiritual things you put on social media. It's not even about you going to church or saying you ascribe to Christianity. It's about you proving this through your love. Here's the prescription for living that I want to give us as a person who has character in the character of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, Harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, instead be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. As we close today, I need to say this kindness is not passive agreement with destructive lifestyles. Can I say that again? Kindness. It's not this passive agreement with destructive lifestyles where you're patting somebody on the back all the way to hell, where you're just shaking your head and agreeing with them when you know that their life is going in destruction. Kindness says, I love you enough to say something. I love you enough first to model it so that I can have credence in my life as I actually challenge you to rise up. So here's the thing. Remember this this week. Slow yourself down because kindness listens. Kindness cares. It it, it gets down. It, It comes outside of our comfort zones and says, I don't know about you, but I've been there before. I can be vulnerable enough with you and let you know that I want to walk with you through your journey of healing. Kindness is correcting. Saying, I know this might not be easy for you to hear, but have you considered? Kindness is loving. That everything we do, just like Jesus, that even if people leave us feeling uncomfortable or even offended, they cannot say that we didn't love them. And so this final statement that I want to say to just take home with us today is your character and your values will either validate or denigrate your witness for God. I'm going to say it again. Your character will either validate it, will stamp and affirm where it will denigrate, it will take away credence from your witness for God. And so here, as we've been talking about this being our character, I wanna challenge you. As a matter of fact, I wanna give you permission to, as you're navigating through this local body here at Victory Midtown and at Victory Church, if you see behaviors from a person or from a leader, I'm giving you permission to hold us accountable and to say, we need to check ourselves. We We need to check ourselves and make sure that we're being courageous Make sure that we are those who are humble, that we are operating in empowerment, that we are being connected, and that we are being kind. And so if that's the type of church that you want to be a part and you want to be in agreement with those values, I say welcome to victory. I say welcome. If if you're a person that says, I just want this celebrity type of situation where I'll never be able to learn and grow by the lifestyle that's being shared, this is not the church for you. But here at Victory, we operate in humility which is God's strength under control. And we want to walk this out together. As we close today, I want to take this moment just to flip it from it being about Victory Church values and let you do a check for yourself of your values. So they're going to put this on the screen. I want you just to take a moment and I want you to ask yourself this question. How am I doing in the following check areas? And what, if anything, needs to change in order for me to be fully aligned? out of these different areas. Just take a moment right there and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Father, as we take these in, We thank you that you're ministering to many of us, you're correcting us, you're reforming us. And so, as we've heard this as a message, let this not just be a message that we hear, but let it be an action that we walk out. Father, I thank you for how you've created us and how you've called us to walk this thing out as a local church. And my prayer is that people will know us by our fruit, that we will be good witnesses for you because we operate in these values. And so, Father, as we leave this place, let this not be something that we just show up with our church face on Sundays, but let it go throughout all the days of our lives. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for first being kind to us so we can be kind to others. And we accept this call up to operate in these values. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Victory Midtown.
1: Wow, such good nuggets. Victory, let's celebrate all those who gave their life to Christ. Whether you're in the room or online, we celebrate you. Listen, if that's you, the most important thing you can do right now is to have a conversation. So we invite you to visit the one-step area in the lobby and have a conversation with one of our leaders. They look forward to meeting you, celebrating you, and also talking through what your next step could be. Now, at this time, I'll invite our prayer leaders down to the front. Prayer is for everyone. So if there's anything that you would like us to touch and agree with you on, be sure to come down to the altar, or you can submit a prayer request online at connecttovictory.com as well. Now, no matter where we are in our lives, we can all take one step. And today is Small Group Sunday. So that could be your one step, is to visit the one-step area and to talk to a leader, get plugged in, and get connected. Also, we do have the check wristbands for you on your way out in the lobby. And please just take one, so we make sure that we have enough for everyone. All right, at this time, I'll have everyone stand and I will speak a blessing over you as we make our way out. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your people. Thank you for the values that you have given us, Lord, to live by, that we we may be a light on a lampstand, a city on a hill, wherever we are, Lord, that we would be the light of your character and your glory. And so, Lord, I just bless your people as they go out today, God, that they that you would continue to minister to their hearts, marinate the word that you've given them today, and that we would be that light everywhere that we go this week. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Have a great week, Victory.